children all around the world, children just like me. Children everywhere on earth, across the land and sea. They need to hear that Jesus died and lives to set them free. Who will go and let them know, O Lord, send me? We teach children about faith. There's a story that we did this summer, and it's about a man who went to Jesus for help because his child was sick. He asked Jesus to come to his home to heal his son. And rather than go to his home, Jesus said, your son is healed. And I asked the children, well, how do you know that the man believed Jesus' words? And they raised their hand and said, because he turned around and went home and he found his son was healed. And I said, yes, boys and girls, you need to believe Jesus' words, too, when he says he cares for you. You really need to believe his words. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure, friend, to have you stop by today as we welcome Janie Walker with Child Evangelism Fellowship, a ministry that has had an impact on children in the Mid-South for many years. Janie, welcome to the program. I'm so glad we got reconnected. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here and share uh, our devotion and passion for reaching children. Well, shout out to Graciela, a yes. new friend of mine, somebody you've known for a while, I believe. Yes, yes. I was at an event at First Evangelical Church, and she came up to me. The first thing she said when she found out that I worked here at Byte Radio, you've got to have Janie Walker on the program to talk about CEF. <laughs> Graciela is a great promoter of this work. She has definitely a heart for what we're doing and uh, loves the mission of reaching the boys and girls. So, yes, thank you, Graziella, for <laughs> inviting me to be here. The ministry of CEF goes back to 1937. How long has the ministry been here in Memphis? Well, the ministry of Memphis actually started in 1941. Original director there, um, Miss Snodgrass, and it just grew from there with uh, several individuals uh, that were in charge. One that you and I both remember, Miss Louise Boswell. Miss Louise. Yes, and she mentored <laughs> me and... I saw her passion for reaching the children, and it just was contagious. And I know she worked for many years. With, Nearly 50, right? Yes, yes. She also wanted to be in the schools. It wasn't something that she saw the way that I've been able to see, but I know she's an encouragement from heaven, so I'm thankful for that. Is there any estimates of how many children since 1941, you said, CEF Memphis has ministered it would, to? It would be hundreds of thousands. We average, I would say, anywhere from four to 6,000 a year. Bible-centered with a purpose to evangelize boys and girls with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to establish, disciple them in the Word of God, and in a local church for Christian living. Yes. That's foundational. Has any of that changed? That has not changed. That's the main thing. That's, that's our mission. That is what we are focused on. There's a lot of wonderful programs that reach for the gospel of Christ, kingdom work, but our focus is children. So we were really excited to do that. I think that is something that is uh, very unique to Child Evangelism Fellowship. We are international in our scope. 25 million children reached across the globe last year. Uh, many of those put their faith and trust in Christ. I mean, you've got materials that your printing department produces some over 200 languages. Yes. Which I think is incredible. I just discovered that this morning. That's a lot. It is, and it's excellent curriculum. It's excellent material. It's very Bible-based, and that is our focus because we are non-denominational. So we're able to use that material to really encourage people to teach the gospel. 
Use that as a tool. Um, wonderful resources. So I can't speak more highly of that wonderful curriculum. And Janie, by the way, those resources, your staff, of course, uses those around the world, but they are also available to our listeners. Yes. If they're wanting to reach their neighborhood kids. We have a lot of internationals living in our community. Yes. You know, if you want to find a language that you could potentially reach your neighbors with, that's uh, right. that'd that's be a right. great resource. In fact, we had a young man in our office just this week, and he noticed we had a, a devotional book that's written in English and Arabic. It was one of those for the developed countries to get the word out about Abraham and his uh, better life. So it was written in both languages. So, yes, you're right. Uh, we can make those available to people in Memphis. So we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the world coming to Memphis, that we can reach so many diverse backgrounds. We have on our staff someone who works with the uh, Hispanic community and even with the Asian community who speaks uh, Chinese. And so we're thankful to reach across all the diverse backgrounds. Janie, let's back up to your background a little bit. I don't think I know much about your story. I was really raised in Memphis all my life. I lived here all my life. My father was in the military and retired here. Uh, I started first grade here. And then from that, just being involved with church all my life, having also a burden to teach my children once I was married and was raising my children. And that's how I first got connected with Miss Louise. She taught me how to teach them God's word. As a result of that, I believe that God really put that passion and calling into my life to reach boys and girls um, across the city. Is there a special way that you teach boys and girls God's Word? We know how a pastor from behind a pulpit, when you go to church, how he teaches and preaches God's Word. What is the difference in teaching children God's Word? Well, obviously, one big difference is you have to have what we call tact. That's T-A-C-T, think as children think. You've really got to think on their terms so that as you present the message of the gospel, it's very clear to them. It can be an abstract message, but you want to make it really concrete. So we use that technique where we'll explain what the words mean and explain. But we do want them to understand the doctrine of who God is, certainly the doctrine of sin and what that means. And Can you give us an example of how you would do that? Certainly. I would start with who God is and let the child know that he is the creator and that he loves you very much, that he is perfect, but that even though he loves you and, and, and wants that relationship with you, that there is something that separates you and God, and that is called sin. And just by explaining to a child, sin is anything that you would think, say, or do that would displease God. And we all have sin, the Bible says. So when you hit your brother or you talk back or you disobey or you think a bad thought, then that is showing that the Bible is true, that all have sinned, and yet that sin has to be punished that we have all been born with. So isn't it good news to know that God made a way that you don't have to be punished and he sent his only son, the Lord Jesus. I want them to understand, obviously, there is a wonderful creator God who loves them and made them and wants friendship with them. I want them to understand there is a problem and it separates us from God, but to know there is a solution and that solution is the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we present that to them very simplistically, very clearly, and then we offer them God's invitation. 
And that's important, that they would know that God wants them to believe on him. We have a strong passion in child evangelism fellowship circles that children can believe. So that's why we know God commands that we go and tell them. We know they need it because they're sinners, but we also know that they can believe. And so we do clearly present that to the children. In the gospel, there's a, an account, I believe, where the disciples think children are getting in Jesus' way and trying to move them out of his way. But he said, let the children come to me. That's an excellent passage. In fact, in that same story, he tells the listeners, it is not his will that one little one perish. He doesn't want the little ones that believe in him to be offended. So let the children come to me, he says. And when he says little ones, he's got one sitting on his lap in the story, the scriptures say. And so we do have kind of a, a passion about uh, that verse in Matthew eighteen fourteen that says, it is not the will of your father that one little one would perish. I believe the children are counting on us to bring them that message. Yes. And we have to show some leadership, don't we? We do. We and, do. And we fall short so often. We make excuses. That's really our responsibility. It is. I think we need to understand the condition of the children. It's not hard to convince people that children do need the Lord, but we also need them to understand that they need to rise up to the occasion and take that message. As Romans says, how will they believe unless someone is sent to go and tell them? We want people to take responsibility for that. But here's the thing. A lot of people don't really understand, what if I do it wrong? What if I say the wrong thing? That's why we want to educate. We have a a strong desire to train others to know, let me equip you. Yeah, you train your volunteers. We do. We do. And we want everyone to know, number one, how do I guide a child to the Savior? That's first and foremost. And of course, if you're doing uh, using the curriculum, we want them to understand how to use it and to present the Bible story, not just as a story of facts, but as a life lesson so that if you're telling the story of Bartimaeus who is blind he does have a serious problem physically but he has a heart issue as well and we want the child to apply that to their lives that I have a big problem and I can't get rid of it and because of that sin I need Jesus and I'm so thankful we can tell them that that solution. You know, Janie, culture and environment is drastically different today compared to 1941. Some of the home life that children come from, you minister to, and they come to your good news clubs. We're going to talk about the specific structure of how you do the ministry. But kids are facing big crises and stress today. They are. And I would say there is a lot of drama in children's lives. I mean, you just think about the recent drama in the past year with the pandemic. Our hearts were breaking because we knew the kids that we were mostly ministering to through the schools were not accessible to us. So we mm-hmm. felt that that burden that they were in distress. So thankful that that access is being opened back up to us soon. So we're thankful for that. But yes, we do face that. I can remember sitting in a Good News Club. One of the children leaned over and asked me, why does my daddy shout at my mommy all the time? And, you know, how can I stop hitting my brother? And just all kinds of drama where it could be even, why did my daddy have to go to jail? Why is there sickness in my family? They're troubled by these things. They're frightened. So we are thankful that we can teach them that there is a great God that they can trust in and then have faith in. We teach children about faith. There's a story that we did this summer, and it's about a man who went to Jesus for help because his child was sick. 
he asked Jesus to come to his home to heal his son. And rather than go to his home, Jesus said, your son is healed. And I asked the children, well, how do you know that the man believed Jesus's words? And they raised their hand and said, because he turned around and went home and he found his son was healed. And I said, yes, boys and girls, you need to believe Jesus' words, too, when he says he cares for you. You really need to believe his words. Janie, that is such a great platform that God has allowed CEF to have here in the lives of our children. You always seem happy, cheerful. Do you ever get down and discouraged? Are there things that weigh at your heart in this ministry that you're leading? Yes, absolutely. I would say it is discouraging to have a principal say no or a pastor who uh, I share the opportunity for the volunteers from their church. You know, there's times that you make phone calls, you don't get answers, you make emails, you don't get responses. So there are times when I feel a little discouraged, but then I remember, um, you know, the calling that God placed on my heart in life. Uh, It's all in God's hands. So if somebody tells me no, I take that from God, and I just keep going. That's something you have to do. There can be lonely moments in ministry when you're leading a ministry, I'm sure, and you just have to put it in the hands of God. You do. Also, you surround yourself with that fellowship of believers who want to pursue this ministry, want to reach the children, have the heart to do it. That certainly is an encouragement to be surrounded by so many. Oh, I know it is. CEF has many different ministries for children. The primary ones are the Good News Club and the Five-Day Club. Why don't we break these down and let our listeners know what they're about? Well, let's talk about the Five-Day Club because that program just finished. We went through the month of June and July, and we conducted five-day clubs in daycares, community centers, backyards, trailer parks, apartments, wherever we could find where children were gathered and we had permission to come. And many of those were outside because of, you know, the circumstances. Many of those were while we were wearing our face masks. But we were able to conduct many of those through June and July, almost 70 of those, and reached over 1,500 children. And what that was, was like doing a one-hour Bible club uh, for each day, Monday through Friday. Somebody, if they wanted to host a five-day club, they just have to call you up and say, hey, I would like to host that. That is correct. I mean, what is the criteria? What do you look at? Do you have to do a background check? Well, all of our staff are background checked, and we do uh, want to make sure that, you know, those who have direct contact with the children uh, are, you know, we, we just want to protect the children, yep. and we call it Protect My Ministry. And no one objects to it that understands, you know, why it's important. But I will say, if a mom wants us to come to her home, we really put into her responsibility to invite the children. Maybe it's her children and their friends. And then we come and lay the blankets out on the ground and uh, do the program. So the summer is a fun time to do that. So the five-day uh, clubs are only in the summertime? Only in the summer. And okay. the the uniqueness about it is that it uh, is very evangelistic in its thrust. We uh, really want the children to hear the gospel clearly presented. And we also have the advantage of uh, involving youth, youth, middle school and high school students that are looking for an opportunity for ministry. And so we train the youth to come along with us and work with our staff and volunteers. And, um, of course, the kids love the teenagers. Oh, yeah. 
and it gives us a chance to disciple those youth. And so we're not just saying, oh, come along with us and help us do our work. We want to invest in their lives. So, Janie, do you stay on location for five days and then go to another location for another five days? Or how does does that work? Well, we go to the location, say, at 10 o'clock on Monday morning, and then we'll go back at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, and we'll do that for a week. We will gather for lunch as a team, and we'll go to another location at 1 o'clock and do that all week. And after that one's done, at uh, usually around two, they're about an hour to an hour and a half, we'll go to a third location. So we could go to three in one day. Okay. So after five days, the next week you'll be in a whole new area. Another area. Now, do you try to strategize which areas you go, or is it based on who's wanting you to come? It is based on who's wanting us to come. We wanted to be in several areas. Uh, we work with the uh, Boys and Girls Club director in West Memphis and, and Marion, and also some daycares. Um in West Memphis, and we were planning that at the beginning of the summer, and we had to readjust because of a broken bridge that we all know about. <laughs> uh, we knew that getting there and back or getting there and to another location um, back in Memphis would be tricky, yeah. and so we had to strategize, but we did end up going to all those locations, and a lot of phone calls are made. Uh, we reach out, and we... We found places that we'd never been to before, and so we have to kind of do what we call a a quick presentation, and a daycare director will say, this sounds wonderful. When can you come? (laughs) And that develops a wonderful relationship. Well, you mentioned teenagers a moment ago. There's another aspect of CEF called Christian Youth in Action. Are there chapters of that here? That is the um, the youth that we worked with. Those were our Christian Youth in Action um, students. And those students go through an eight-day training. And uh, so we love working with those teenagers. And, and they, college students, too. We do have college students, yes. And uh, we've even had some adults, so we call them Christian Adults in Action. And But we do uh, use the Christian Youth in Action training school to prepare them to do the five-day clubs. Okay, what's coming up in the way volunteers can be engaging the ministry right now? Maybe somebody at one time maybe worked with CEF or knows about the ministry, or maybe they're discovering it for the first time and saying, I would like to be involved, either host a club or I want to volunteer myself. Well, let's... Uh, switch to the program of Good News Club. That's only school year program. It's about 28 weeks. We start in September after Labor Day, and we go almost to the first week of May. Um, and that program is very similar. Actually, we call the five-day club five Good News Clubs in a row. Yeah. So a Good News Club is an hour to hour and a half, one day a week. And so that would be similar to going to that daycare or that community center one day a week for 28 weeks. And you can imagine the impact that that would have where we have a child in the first couple of weeks make a uh, put their faith and trust in Christ and make a decision. Well, then they have the rest of the time to grow in their faith because they're doing every week they're doing a Bible study. And these are children, uniquely enough, that may never get to set foot in the door of a church. Yeah. Maybe their parents um, might not bring them. They might not bring them. Maybe there's a family issue where they're with mom one week and dad the other. Uh, there's all kinds of reasons why children aren't in the church building. But they're they're at schools and daycares. Yeah. And um, we are actually uh, starting in 2008. We have access to many public schools. 
We started that program and launched it very successfully up until the pandemic. Yeah. And um, so we're getting back into those schools. That's a wonderful opportunity to reach the children where they are. So unique. We know statistically uh, the people that are going to put their faith and trust in Christ are, are the largest percentage are under 15. Wow. And so we're looking to reach that large percentage. Oh. And so they don't hear stories of, of Noah. They don't hear stories of David and Goliath. So they come to Good News Club uh, down the hall from where their classroom is. They throw their backpack on the uh, cafeteria (laughs) table and they sit down and they start to hear the good news of Jesus. What a great, unique opportunity. (laughs) And so we wanted people to get excited about possibly volunteering to join one of our teams. How many team members do you need for each location? Well, obviously, it would depend on how many children are signed up. The the sign up is by parental permission. We uh, are taking thousands and thousands of permission forms uh, this week, even to some of the schools that have already uh, given us the okay, and those will go home to the parents. The parents will sign their child up, and we also have to be conscious of COVID. And if the school says, you know, you can't crowd the rooms, then we have to perhaps we have to limit. Right. But in the past, we we've had anywhere from twenty five to fifty to eighty children that would respond, and so now the teams have to be a little bit. Uh, bigger. Um, in an average club, you know, five team members, maybe one for each grade, a team member to look after the first graders, second graders, and so on. Because okay. most of the elementary schools only um, are kindergarten through fifth grade. Janie, as we start to wrap up today's show, uh, reflecting back over the time you have invested in CEF, I'm sure there's more than one, but are there any stories of children that you've seen come up through the ministry of CEF? how you're praising God for what God has done in their life today. Well, obviously there are many stories, and I'm sorry that uh, our time's running short because there's so much I could tell your audience. But I will say there is one unique story. We ended up at an elementary school in North Memphis years ago, and um, a young girl started attending, um, and uh, she began uh, attending that club at a very young age, I believe first first grade or, or even kindergarten, and she stayed with the club, and we just came one day with uh, invitation for her to attend our summer camp. Now, we haven't done that since the pandemic, but we had an overnight camp that we invited children to attend on scholarship. And so she attended, loved the camp. We called it Camp Good News because it's a good time about the good news. And she uh, was so faithful to attend until she was too old, which was once she turned 13. But then we appealed to her to be a Christian youth in action. And she has completed her third year doing that. And she was just a young kindergarten, first grader attending club at her elementary school. That's that's a real success story there. And there's so many, so many. I mean, just the investment. That makes it worth it for you, doesn't it? It does. It does. To see a life changed for eternity. I want to say one other thing, and that is that, you know, this is a viewpoint uh, um, episode. I I see so many viewpoints in our city across the church lines. You know, you have your Christian viewpoint with this church and you have a Christian viewpoint with this church. And one of the things that Child Evangelism Fellowship is really doing, I'm I'm seeing, is that we're able to, um, in a sense, overlap those viewpoints. 
So what happens is this Christian viewpoint and this Christian viewpoint may not match uh, in some issues, but they will match in the desire to present the gospel to children. And so we've had the privilege of working with many diverse uh, backgrounds of churches and so thankful that they really want to reach the boys and girls with the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, so a church listening right now that says, you know, I would like to do more in my community. I want to reach the children in our community, maybe in ways that we haven't been able to do, and we could really use the help of CEF. What can they do? Well, have them contact our office, our website, um, cefmemphis.com, or call our office, uh, 901-440-1010, and just... Reach out to one of our staff, and we'll connect with them. We offer training. We offer the curriculum. We want to make it as easy as possible for them to do this mission of evangelism and discipleship. And we'd love to get the children that they're ministering to connected into their church. And we just want to help them do that. And we also would love for them to come alongside if there's a school that they love and that they've already been uh, partnering with. Um, they've adopted that school. We want to partner with them and get a Good News Club started in okay, that school. So that's something you can do. Oh, yes. Yeah. Are you doing that now, I guess? Yes, we are. Okay. We are partnering with several churches that have a love for a particular school. And so we're developing that relationship. And that partnership, to me, is a good strategy because those team members from that church Number one, they're really invested in that school already. Yeah. And number two, they'll be able to sustain that club. Yeah. Our staff are, are limited in our time. So we want to be able to train and, and develop leaders so we can move on to another school. You mentioned your children. What's it been like over the years to have your children watch their mom love on so many children? <laughs> you are so kind to ask that. I remember when I was first approached about taking on the role of director um, because I, I guess I came up the Christian corporate ladder. I started in the office as a secretary. And then that change took place where they needed a director. I served as an interim and then took the role uh, full-time as executive director. And I remember asking my children, and they were young adults. They were all uh, either uh, in high school or out of high school and in college. And they said, you can do this, Mom. <laughs> You know, you go get them. Of course, over the years now, uh, I've been able to minister to my grandchildren. And so um, so they all think they had the coolest grandma ever. <laughs> well, I know they do. Janie Walker, God bless you, my dear Thank sister. Thank you, sir. Thank you what you've been faithfully doing for so many years, loving on children in the name of Jesus in our community. Thank you. Thank you so much. Give that website one more time and a phone number. Okay. It is CEFCEFMemphis.com. Child Evangelism Fellowship are those letters. CEFMemphis.com. And then 901-440-1010. All right. Janie Walker, thank you, my sister. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. There are children all around the world, children just like me. Children everywhere on earth, across the land and sea. They need to hear that Jesus died and lives to set them free. Who will go and let them know a 